Thank you for listening today. Dr. Lori Hess is a leading exotic animal veterinarian with a busy veterinary practice in Bedford Hills, New York. If you need more information on any Zupreme product or have questions for Dr. Lori, go to our website at www.zupreme.com where you can contact us. Make sure to follow us on Facebook for more information on upcoming podcasts, education, and Facebook fun. Welcome to the Zoo Nation podcast channel brought to you by Zupreme. Zupreme makes healthy food for pet birds, rabbits, guinea pigs, and ferrets. If you're listening today, your home has probably experienced the love and happiness of owning a non-traditional or exotic pet. We know it's a zoo in your home sometimes. Here's Dr. Lori now to help you learn more about the care of that special pet in your home. Hi, I'm Dr. Lori Hess, Director of Pet Health and Nutrition at Zupreme, and you're listening to podcast number 11. Today, we're going to talk about a really important topic, which is bringing a new bird home. Now, this is a really big and important topic, so we're actually going to cover this in two parts. Today's podcast is going to focus on a beginner's guide to owning a companion bird, everything you need to know about getting a bird, and the basics you have to do before you rush out and get the bird to know whether the bird is really the right kind of pet for you. So I'm asked this all the time, you know, how do you know if a bird is the right kind of pet for you? And my answer is that birds are phenomenal pets, but they're not phenomenal for everybody. So before you rush out and get that bird, you really do need to do a bunch of research first. Um, Unfortunately, too many birds are sort of impulse buys because they're beautiful. I mean, let's face it, parrots are just gorgeous. There's so many different colors, different sizes. They're smart. They're vocal. Uh, They're really incredible animals, and many of them live dozens and dozens of years, so they're really big parts of a family. But, you know, again, you don't want to rush out and impulsively buy this animal just because you see it in a pet store window or you're looking to adopt a bird and you see a picture online. You really have to do your research first. So let's think about this. How do you pick a bird? I mean, how do you even know a bird is the right kind of pet for you? Well, the thing to think about first is birds require a fair bit of time every day. You know, while certainly dogs and cats require time as well, you have to walk a dog, you have to spend time with a cat, change the cat's litter, birds actually require care too. You can't just stick them in a cage and put them there and and hope that they're going to be fine. They're very, very smart and they need stimulation and uh, encouragement and enrichment to be happy and to thrive and to stay healthy. So you have to think, do I have the time? time for this bird. Even little birds need time. Um, There are some birds that need less time than others, and as we talk about different kinds of birds, we'll focus on that, but realize that there is no bird that just can be left in its cage. You have to talk to the bird. You have to let the bird get to know you, get to know your face, your family members' faces, um, get to know noises in the house. Birds need time out of their cage. Ideally, I say a minimum of an hour out of the cage every day. Uh, They need exercise. So do you really have that time to spend with the bird? Or, or, or do you have the lifestyle where you're just not home? Uh, you're traveling all the time. You might want to think about another kind of pet if that's your lifestyle. But if you are home, even if it's at night, that's fine. And you can make time for a bird. That's great. So that's the first question to ask. I think the second question to ask is space. You know, the bigger the bird, the larger the cage, the bigger the space requirements for the bird in general. So if you live in a little apartment, you may not want to think about getting a macaw, a really big 
big bird. You may want to focus on something like a budgie or a cockatiel or even a finch. Something small that doesn't require a huge cage space or a lot of space outside the cage. Um, so the space is a big thing. If you do uh, get a bigger bird, you do need to be able to take the bird out and, and put it on a stand, um, let it move around the house. Um, ideally, if you live in a warm climate, if there's a way to even bring your bird outside safely in a cage or in an enclosed aviary space for exercise, that's wonderful. I mean, many people can't do that because we live in cold areas or maybe we can only do that during certain times of the year. But having space is really important um, if you're going to have a bird. The other thing to think about, which unfortunately a lot of people don't think about when they're getting a bird, is noise. Parrots are great animals to have as pets, but they do make a lot of noise. They squawk and sometimes they squawk at inappropriate times, times that are just not great for us if we're trying to go to sleep, um, if we like to sleep in on the weekends. You know, birds get up in the morning and in the wild, they're very talkative at dawn, typically, and at dusk. They're hunting, they're gathering, they're looking for mates, they're flying around, they're exercising, they're looking for their meals. And it's very, very typical for a bird to be very active in the morning and very active in the evening. They may be quieter during the day relative to those times, but they certainly can make noise. I mean, birds are very social and very communicative. So if you're not okay with that, or if you have neighbors, for example, who are not okay with that, then you need to think twice because birds can be very noisy. And unfortunately, a lot of birds are taken home and people don't expect that kind of noise. And they're startled when they hear, you know, when birds relax and they start to get talkative, um, you know, this can really be a problem for them if they live in close quarters in an apartment building or with, um, family members who are very sensitive to noise. And unfortunately, too many birds end up in shelters because they're loud, um, particularly as they reach sexual maturity and they start to uh, make a lot of uh, mating calls or get a little more active. Uh, they can, you know, and, that, and that varies depending upon the type of bird. It, it depends on, you know, what type of bird determines what age they become sexually mature. But even some of the larger parrots who are sexually mature, not for five, six, seven years, they may suddenly get uh, a lot squawkier at that time and it may be very very far into the relationship that a family has with a bird and uh, things change so you really need to think far ahead you know do I have the kind of lifestyle uh, in the living arrangements to suit a bird that can be very noisy and again if you're say you're you know uh, you're thinking of getting a bird I had this in my own family I got a cockatoo for my son um, he loved this bird and he took care of him for many years but then he went off to college and I was left behind with this very, very big, loud bird who now lived in a room in my house where my son was no longer living. So he was alone a lot and it really became a problem. So that bird now lives in my animal hospital. Um, so again, you have to think these birds are going to live a long time, typically, if they're some of the larger parrots. Um, and maybe that's not the right animal for you. If you are only going to be in a certain area, a certain household for a certain amount of time, maybe you want to get a, a smaller bird. Um, you know, again, think long term. These are these are not short-lived pets. So space, noise. How about mess? That's another thing you need to be thinking about. Um, birds are messy. You know, they don't eat neatly out of a little bowl. They typically require multiple food bowls. Um, they will require one for um, sort of dry food, the pellets, which is the essential part of their diet. Um, they require another bowl for fresh foods, things like vegetables and fruit that should only be in the cage for a couple of hours. Otherwise, they get rancid. 
Um, and then they require, you know, certainly a water bowl. Some birds drink out of a sipper, but many most, most of them drink out of a, a dish and many of them dip their food in there and they throw their food around and they chew a lot of food and they waste a lot of food and a lot of food falls down in the bottom of the cage. It may fall out uh, around the cage onto the floor. So if you are a neat freak, you may want to think twice, um, realize that you are going to be cleaning up around that cage. That cage does need to be changed every single day. Um, Um, you know, spot cleaned every day, changing that paper on the bottom of the cage, very, very important. Um, and, And then typically at least once a week or once every couple of weeks, depending upon the type of bird you have, you really do need to wipe down that cage, clean, clean it out really well. Um, for some messier birds, there are some birds like lorikeets um, whose droppings are very wet and mushy and they may get all over the place. Um, and uh, that's something you have to think about. So you have to be tolerant of mess. And if you're not, then you need to think twice about getting a bird. So those are the sort of basics about, you know, should you have a bird, should you not have a bird? Um, then the question is, you know, what kind of bird? As we touched on, some of the larger birds live a long time. They require a lot of space and a lot more attention every day. Um, they need exercise. They need to come out. So if you don't have the time, the space, um, and you're not going to really have the longevity with that bird, if you're an older person, it's possible that the bird could even outlive you. I mean, remember some of those African greys and Amazon parrots and macaws can live 40, 50, even 60 years in captivity. Um, so if you're an older person, you may you know, think twice about getting a, a larger bird who might outlive you. And certainly if you do that, you need to make arrangements for that bird if something should happen to you and you're no longer able to care for that bird. It sounds kind of silly, but I, I really do have this conversation quite commonly with owners who uh, you know, love their animals and have to put them in their will and, and make financial arrangements even for their pets when uh, you know something happens to them if something should happen to them so thinking ahead um, you know if you live in a smaller space if you only want a pet for a few years you may be thinking about a smaller bird um, something like a budgie budgies can live into their teens um, I used to say they only live to be six to eight years of age but fortunately now with with medical advances and better nutrition uh, pelleted diets we are able to keep those birds alive into their teens and they live wonderful lives so even a budgie a small bird can live you know 12 13 14 years I've seen it cocktails are wonderful first choices for families um, but they also live potentially into their 20s so you do need to think long term Um, if you really only want a bird to look at and maybe not handle as much and a shorter lived bird you might be thinking of something like a finch or a canary Um, they're beautiful they're beautiful to look at canaries produce incredible song Uh, male canaries sing when they're kind of competing against each other to mate for those female canaries Um, so you know canaries are beautiful beautiful to look at some people do train their canaries to be handled but many canaries are just observed and not necessarily handled and that's fine if that's the kind of pet you're looking for so you do have to think about what kind of bird you're looking for in the sense of you know is this a bird you want to watch is it a bird you want to cuddle is it a bird you want to handle is it a bird that you want to just look at and listen to Um, what's the purpose of this pet for you Uh, some people 
people, you know, don't have dogs or cats that are cuddlier pets and maybe they're home a lot and maybe they're thinking about a cockatoo. Cockatoos are very social animals and they love to be snuggled, but they're not great if you don't have that time available for them because they have, they are so socially needy that they will get stressed out and they'll scream and, and bite and get, you know, all kinds of behavioral abnormalities if you're not able to spend a lot of time with them snuggling and making that contact with them. So the, the, the idea here is really to learn as much as you can about that type of bird. Once you've settled on the idea of getting a bird, what kind of bird would suit your lifestyle? You know, how much time you have available for the pet every day, um, whether you're home and you're traveling, um, you know, whether you have other pets in the house, that's a consideration too. If you have big dogs that are going to jump up and knock over a cage, you know, you probably don't want a small bird. I know growing up, I, I brought all kinds of pets home to my family's house. And even when I was in college, I was working at a local humane society um, and I fell in love with this wonderful cat. Um, and I do have cats and dogs in my my home and I have birds so you can live happily with birds in your home with other pets but I had a canary on a stand and my uh, feral cat who I adopted from the Humane Society kept wanting to knock that canary's cage over and it was really stressful for that canary so it, it was not a good situation so you do have to think about other pets in your house um, and little children again if you have little children in your house that's a consideration too um, you want to think about you know little fingers reaching into a cage with with a big bird in there with a big beak, you know, they, those big birds can cause injury. So you do want to think about the other people in your home too who might be interacting with this bird when you're selecting a particular species of bird um, to keep in your home. So those are all things you need to think about before you're getting the bird. What else would you want to consider? Um, how about just general handling of the bird? Um, you know, some birds are very easily trained and um, you have to spend some time working with them and teaching them to step up on your hand um, and teaching them to come out of their cage. Those are all skills that a bird needs to learn. They don't necessarily know that. And do you have the time to teach that to them? There are some birds who are easier to train than others. Um, I love caiques. Caiques are phenomenal little middle-sized parrots who are very easy to train and very amenable to being handled. There may be some uh, other types of birds, some larger birds, who are not as willing to be handled and need some more training and some time. Some of the larger birds, I, I love Amazon parrots, but sometimes they can be a little stubborn and they need more encouragement and more time to teach them to do some of the things you'd like them to do, um, including coming out of the cage and standing on uh, a perch outside the cage. They all can be taught that, but that's something you need to spend time teaching the bird. So training the bird is something. They don't come trained. Um, just like dogs don't come knowing how to walk on a leash, um, or cats don't necessarily you know, know their names when you first get them, nor do birds. Birds are incredibly smart, um, and they can be trained, but it's about putting in the time to teach the bird, even to do tricks. Once you get beyond the basics, the step up and, the, and knowing their name and coming out of the cage and stepping down. Those are things you start with, but um, if you really want to interact with that bird, you need to think about training and the time it's going to spend, you're going to need to spend training that bird. 
Um, so that's handling the bird and picking the bird uh, and training the bird. Birds, in terms of training, I, I think, you know, you again, you have to be thinking about food. You have to have food in the house to train a bird, um, which means you have to have groceries and not everybody necessarily has fresh food in their house all the time. Things like vegetables and fruit. Um, those are great training tools. If birds like little pieces of fresh fruit, um, birds are very food motivated. And if you find the right food for them, you can absolutely use that food uh, to as a training tool so you don't want to necessarily give that bird that food all the time but you want to have that bird uh, respond to that particular food and training with that food for example I have one bird who just loves bananas so I don't give him bananas any other time for except when I'm trying to train him to do something new and if he even does something that's remotely like what I'm trying to teach him for example um, you know when I first taught him to step up in my hand even if he took his foot and a approached my hand with his foot, I would give him a little piece of banana. So learning to identify, you know, what kinds of foods uh, your bird loves and having those foods available, it's an effort. It means going to the store and having those foods in your house. So that's part of training as well. Um, Bathing is another thing. Most people don't think, you know, I have to bathe my parrot. They should just do that themselves. And while there are certain birds that will dunk themselves into their water cup, and certainly you have to provide them with a big enough water dish that uh, your bird can do that, many of the bigger birds can't do that, and some birds just won't do that at all. So you do have to think about how can I provide the proper humidity and moisture to my bird's skin and feathers to keep them healthy. Um, birds do ideally need bathing. So what I do is I, I love training birds to step up onto a perch that will go into a shower. Um, many, many birds enjoy going into the shower and hanging out. And there are suction cup perches that fit right into the bathroom um, at the back of the shower. But you have to start slowly and just teach the bird that being in the bathroom with the shower on, the noise of the shower, the humidity, uh, that that's okay and it's not scary. And then eventually you can move them to just sit on the perch in the bathroom and eventually put that perch in the back of the shower and even come in with you when you're showering. I have many, many uh, bird clients, bird owners who uh, love taking their birds in to the shower with them every day. Uh, people are worried they're going to get chilled. You know, the birds are going to get chilled. Something's going to happen. They're going to get sick. Birds are really tolerant of temperature change as long as it's not dramatic. So um, if you're sort of pre-warming the bathroom with your shower um, and uh, patting dry your bird after the shower. Many, many birds love to go in to the showers with their owners. It's a, it's a real bonding thing for them. And if you can train your bird to do that, that's great. Um, there are some birds who are very fearful of the shower and really never adapt to it. For those birds, I like to use a plant mister. And rather than uh, misting directly at them with a force, which they usually don't like, I usually just shoot it up in the air over their head with a light mist, sort of like a rain. Um, and it is really important, though. People don't think about the fact that many of these birds, uh, depending upon the species, are tropical. And they're living in a rainforest where there's a lot of environmental humidity. And particularly in some climates in the U.S., I live in the Northeast, and it's very, very dry here. And I know during the wintertime, my birds get very, very dry dry and, and actually, you know, it can be dehydrating to them. So providing their, uh, them with, with some kind of humidity or mist or direct, directly getting them wet in the shower, you could actually bring them under the shower as long as they're okay with that. Um, and, and providing some kind of uh, water to their feathers, it's really, really important. So that's another thing of uh, training that you need to be thinking about if you're going to have a bird. Do you have time to do that? 
Um, and then the other important thing, which, you know, I'm a big pellet fan. Um, you know, we used to think that birds should just be eating seeds. And unfortunately, too many birds are still eating high fat diets of seeds and nuts. And unfortunately, many birds, um, you know, come out of stores and they're on inappropriate diets. Um, hopefully, uh, some of the stores and many of the breeders are, are very savvy these days and understand that pellets should be the base of the animal's diet, the bird's diet. But sometimes when we bring birds home, they're not on the best diets. And and we do have to spend time training them uh, onto a new diet, converting them from a high-fat seed or, or nut diet onto a predominantly pelleted diet. And pellets should be, you know, 60 to 70%, I would say, of their diets, um, with the remainder being made up of uh, fresh uh, vegetables and fruit and occasional treats, uh, things like uh, cooked pasta or, or egg, um, a little nut, a little seed as a treat is fine. But not all birds come that way. So you do have to spend some time training your bird. If your bird isn't coming in to you in your home on a pelleted diet, try to get that bird onto a, a more nutritious diet so that bird can live a long and healthy and happy life. So there's the training in, around food. So as you can tell, there's quite a bit of training that goes into having a bird in your home. And again, people just think, oh, I bring the bird home. I put it in a cage. It's happy. It lives there. Unfortunately, that's not the case. You do have to acclimate it to your home. Um, you have to provide it some stimulation. So yes, toys in the cage are wonderful. And it's not that you shouldn't have toys, but they need other things too. They need social interaction with, uh, with people. Um, ideally, they need some stimulation around them when there are no people at home. So I'm a big fan of leaving the TV on for your bird so that that bird gets visual stimulation as well as the auditory stimulation. Um, it's really, really important that uh, birds have some activity in their environment. So uh, it, it's a matter of having that time available. And if, again, if you don't have that time available for them to do that, then, you know, you, you got to think twice about having a bird as a pet. Um, there is a lot to having birds in your home. And unfortunately, it's upsetting to me when people uh, don't educate themselves. And the best way to educate themselves, uh, people for people to educate themselves before they have a bird is to talk to knowledgeable bird owners, uh, people who have these birds, breeders, veterinarians, uh, other veterinary staff, veterinary technicians, people who routinely work with these birds and know their personalities, um, the types of habits. You know, birds are... are all different. African greys are incredibly smart. They need a lot of stimulation, a lot of attention, um, a lot of enrichment in their environments. Uh, or they'll get bored and they'll scream and they'll pick and they'll be, you know, unhappy. And a lot of behavioral problems will develop. Well, I mentioned cockatoos. Cockatoos need a lot of time out of their cage, a lot of social time, a lot of contact with people. Um, Kayaks are different, as I mentioned before. They're playful. They're kind of the clowns of the bird world. And budgies are wonderful and and very smart, but they don't need to be handled quite as much as, say, a cockatoo. So these are all differences that, you know, if you're thinking about getting a bird, you need to read about uh, before you get the bird, before you actually take that bird home. Go talk to people. Talk to people who know about these birds and what their needs are and what their personalities tend to be like. Also, think about 
You know, do you want a young bird, a baby bird, something that you're going to train? Or could you open your home to an older bird who needs to be rescued, who's living, for example, in a shelter or has been in an unfortunate circumstance and and needs some love and some training and some extra attention? Um, Just like dogs and cats, you know, come out of shelters, there are kittens who are new and then there are some older cats or some older dogs who, you know, might not find a home so easily. So do think about different life stages of birds and, um, you know, what you're able to give and how much time and and what you'll tolerate in terms of trying to train the bird. Um, So those are kind of the basics. I do want to focus a little bit more on children. Um, I do spend a lot of time talking to families um, about getting birds as first pets. And I do think that birds can be terrific in people's homes as first pets. But I don't think large birds are appropriate for families with little children. Um, I think that large birds are great in certain circumstances if you have the time. Um, If you're an adult uh, or a family with older teenage children or older. But I think um, little children and young elementary school age children, having a bird with um, a big beak that can inflict a big bite or having birds that can get startled by the pitter-patter of little children's feet running all over the place. Children can be very loud. Um, You have to think about, you know, matching the bird to your family. And I think if you have little children who are super active and and may be very well-intentioned, but who might scare a bird or stress a bird because they're loud or running or sticking their fingers into the cage, um, that really, for the safety of your own children and for the safety of the bird um, and the well-being of the bird, you might want to aim for something smaller you know, like a budgie or even a cockatiel is a great pet for families with young children because I think they're pretty durable and they're trainable. They live a long time. They recognize their owners. Um, but, you know, they're not going to inflict a horrible bite if someone sticks a finger in their cage and they're pretty tolerant of a lot of activity in the house. So I think talking to people who have these kind of birds, um, understanding what might fit best uh, in your home if you do have young children. And again, mentioning, you know, I think I wanted to mention the idea that even if you have teenage children, those teenage children grow up and they move on. And as I mentioned, you know, I have uh, teenagers myself uh, in college and um, one just went to college recently and left me his cockatoo at home. And as much as I love his cockatoo, I didn't really think about that when I got this bird, you know, 10 years ago, that this bird was going to be at home with me uh, for a very long time, long after my child moved on. Um, so these are all things you need to consider. Um, and, and keeping your birds safe if you have pets and young children in the house is so important. Um, you know, kids run around, big dogs run around, they knock into cages, cages can tip over. Um, even pets that are well-meaning and, and, and want to play with little birds, they can reach through the cage and inflict serious injury. So thinking about the dynamics of your household, um, who else lives there? Uh, do you have a lot of people coming and going? Is that going to stress a bird? Sometimes changes in your schedule, uh, changes in the, the people at home, if you have a lot of visitors or if your schedule changes a lot, if you travel a lot, um, if you work, uh, for example, if you work at night, uh, you know, the bird may be sleeping at night and most birds are not nocturnal. They're up during the day. So if you have a, a job where you need to sleep a lot and your bird's noisy and um, you're out or up at night, and your bird needs to sleep, then again, maybe the bird is not the best pet for you. So it's really about your lifestyle.
style, matching the bird to, you know, your home, your personality, your habits, the habits of people in your home, who else lives in your home. These are all really, really important things to consider before you rush out and bring that bird into your home. Because as I mentioned earlier, too many times people have expectations about a bird and those expectations are not met. Um, The people are disappointed. They're sad. Maybe they've even spent money on this bird. Some birds are very expensive. I do encourage people to go to shelters to look for birds. But, um, you know, birds are not easy sometimes. And even those out of shelters may have been through multiple homes and have behavioral issues. So um, the bird suffers as well because many of these birds end up in shelters um, just being abandoned there and end up living out their lives in the shelter because they weren't the kind of pets uh, that people expected when they saw them in the window there or saw them online that beautiful bird with the beautiful colored feathers who seem so talkative and and interested Um, you know birds are not stagnant pets either just like dogs and cats and and other pets they go through different life stages they may be more active when they're younger and when they're older just like when people get older they may slow down Um, they may sleep more they may develop illness when they get older and and even being able to recognize illness is a very very important part of having a pet bird Um, birds don't necessarily tell you that they're sick Um, and unlike dogs and cats who people you know who have them typically will pet quite a bit they'll notice a lump or a bump or they might notice that their dog or their cat has lost a lot of weight because they're touching them many many birds are in the cage a lot and people are not necessarily touching them and they may not notice that the bird is sick Uh, birds are typically prey species in the wild so they're innately Uh, built or wired to hide illness so that they don't get eaten by a predator. So that bird may be ill for a really long time in your home and you might not even notice. Um, You're not, unless you're typically holding your bird a lot, you might not notice that that fluffy bird underneath all that feathers really has lost weight. Um, And and as we mentioned before, even when birds eat, they waste a lot of their food. So it's often hard to tell how much of it they're actually consuming. So things to look at if you're going to have a pet bird you have to be really attentive. Um, If the bird is fluffed up, birds will trap air between their feathers and their bodies to keep warm, kind of like having a fever. So if you see a bird who's fluffed up, who's sleeping a lot, perhaps tucking his head underneath his wing, um, those are signs of illness. Birds who are not touching their food, um, who are producing very few droppings. You know a bird is eating when there are a normal number of droppings. And I, I do encourage bird owners to sort of get a sense, even by counting the number of droppings that they see in their bird's cage when the bird is healthy during the course of a day, maybe the end of the day, counting the number of droppings if you've put fresh newspaper in the night before or in the morning, and then getting a sense of, you know, knowing, oh my gosh, wow, there are no droppings in there. Maybe the bird isn't eating. Um, you know, so uh, birds will vocalize less sometimes when they're not feeling well. Um, their voice can even change. There are certain conditions like thyroid disease in some birds when their thyroid swells. Um, it's actually, their thyroid gland is in their chest and it could actually press on um, their voice box and it can change the way they sound. Um, birds who have respiratory conditions can actually change the way they sound too. So sometimes birds will vocalize less when they're ill. Sometimes they'll sound different. Um, birds who are painful may vocalize more. They may scream um, to indicate that they're not feeling well, that they're painful. So changes in vocalization, um, changes in droppings, changes in dropping color, uh, changes in dropping consistency. So sometimes birds with kidney disease will 
produce very watery droppings. Um, birds who have gastrointestinal problems will have diarrhea or very soft droppings. Um, birds who are not eating very much at all may produce urine or clear water, um, watery droppings, um, but not produce a lot of stool. The stool is the green-brown part of the dropping, and the solid white part is the solid urine. That's called uric acid in the dropping. And the clear part is the clear urine. So you may see a lot of urine or solid white uric acid, but not a lot of stool if a bird isn't eating. So those are all signs that, you know, a bird is sick. And if you're a bird owner, you want to be very attentive to that. Those are signs your bird should go to a vet right away. Um, so you do need to be paying attention to your bird every single day if you're a bird owner. Because unfortunately, too often, uh, birds are not brought into the veterinary hospital for checkups. People don't seem to understand that birds do need checkups, just like cats and dogs. Although they don't typically require vaccines, um, they do require checkups. And as they get older, they need blood work and blood tests which is another consideration um, that you need to think about. Do you have the finances to uh, provide veterinary care for a bird if you're thinking about birds as pets? Um, going to the vet can be expensive and there is health insurance available uh, for uh, birds uh, and bird owners. I do encourage you to talk to veterinarians about what kinds of health insurance is out there, but just like health insurance with people and, and other animals, you need to get that health insurance before the bird becomes ill. So having regular checkups, um, having finances even available for a cage and food every day and some fresh produce in their diet in addition to the veterinary care, those are all things you need to budget for. And when you're considering getting a bird, you need to think about that as well. Um, fortunately, there are some great insurance plans out there now that are very up to date and um, really help owners out with paying for the veterinary care part. But, you know, uh, too often people just budget for the cost of purchasing the bird if they do purchase it um, and don't think about anything beyond that. So those are the things you need to be thinking about. Um, I think in terms of the best beginner birds, a lot of people ask me that. What are the best beginner birds for a family with children. I did mention budgies and cockatiels. I'm big fans of those two types of birds um, for families with young children because I think they're very interactive. Um, they do recognize their owners. They hear their owners' voices. They see their owners' faces. Um, they are very responsive to children. Uh, they live a long time. As I said, budgies can live into their teens and cockatiels into their 20s when they're cared for properly. Um, but they're not overwhelming. They're not huge. They don't make loud, scary sounds. They don't have a big scary beak that might inflict a bite. Um, for some uh, families with uh, sort of slightly older children, maybe uh, late elementary school to you know junior high school, middle school, things like a kayak. I, I keep mentioning kayaks because I think they're terrific birds. Pionises. I have a pionis too who I've had for years and years. He's in his 20s. They're gentler, sort of middle-sized parrots. Um, they're generally calmer. They don't make as much noise. Um, Senegal parrots are great too. Uh, that's another type of parrot that is sort of a middle-sized parrot who I think uh, will thrive in a family with uh, sort of, I guess, uh, late elementary school to junior high school and up age children. Um, there are, I think, the bigger birds who are really attractive or some of the longer-lived, maybe more vocal birds, birds like Amazon parrots and um, African greys, cockatoos, some of the macaws. Those are great birds if you have a lot of time to spend with them, um, if you have a lot of space and you have, are really, really committed to having a long-lived 
uh, fairly intense to take care of bird. Um, I am also asked a lot about conures. While conures may be smaller and they're definitely handleable and I think they're great for families with sort of middle school aged children, conures are loud. Um, they make a lot of noise. So if you're thinking uh, of getting a, a sort of a medium sized to smaller bird, um, but you have close by neighbors or people in the house who are intolerant of noise, you might want to think twice before you get a conure. There are so many different types of birds. Uh, you know, again, and maybe you, you don't want to have a bird that you necessarily have to handle. Um, you could have a canary. I, I love canaries. I've grown up with canaries and they're just beautiful to look at. Some of them are just incredible colors. They come in yellow and orange um, and red, depending upon the different uh, types of canaries. And males sing. And if you've never heard a canary sing, you will be blown away by just the just incredible quality of their voices, all the different songs that they know, the different tones, the different whistles. Uh, I mean, it's just phenomenal. And, and you can just sit there and listen. And you can train canaries to sing um, just by playing music for them. Remember that male canaries uh, compete with other male canaries in song for female canaries. So if you don't have another male canary in the house, um, you can just get, uh, you know, put some music on of another male canary singing and that will really encourage your male canary to sing too and um, particularly in the spring when they're breeding it's it's really incredible so as you can see you know different types of birds offer so many different things um, and you really, you want to think about all these things. You want to think about uh, all the environmental things that I mentioned, all the longevity things I mentioned, all the care, the finances, all of these things. And if you come to the end of this big research project that you do before getting a bird and you realize that a bird is right for you and you've focused on a bird, then go out and look, see where they're available. They're available at many, many shelters. I do encourage you to look at shelters. There's so many birds who are in need of homes. Um, certainly there are some wonderful stores too and some wonderful breeders. Um, you know, go out, spend time with these types of birds if you can before you actually take one home to see if that type of bird is something you're comfortable with, if it's right for you. And maybe you'll fall in love with a particular bird if you meet that bird in person even before taking it home. So I hope you've enjoyed this first part of bringing a, a new bird home um, and thinking about what you need to do before you take that bird home. Um, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about what to do actually once that bird is home with you. But uh, just remember when you're listening to Zoo Nation throughout these episodes, make sure you follow our Zoo Prime Facebook page where we're going to have posts before every show so you can ask questions for me to answer on the show. Perhaps you have a new bird of your own or you're thinking of getting a new bird and, and you have a specific question. I'm happy to answer that. You'll also see uh, sneak peeks on our Facebook page to episodes you may have missed there as well. So if you have any questions, feel free to contact us at 1-800-345-4767 or at customercare at zooprim.com. I'm Dr. Lori Hess, and thank you so much for listening today to Zoo Nation. Thank you for listening today. Dr. Lori Hess is a leading exotic animal veterinarian with a busy veterinary practice in Bedford Hills, New York. If you need more information on any Zupreme product or have questions for Dr. Lori, go to our website at www.zupreme.com where you can contact us.